maybe the future is really supposed to be about listening to the voices of people from these communities from which these pieces have been taken from, really to listen to the activists in the spaces who are working tirelessly to ensure a safe return of the statutes and the artifacts. I think the future is giving them an opportunity to stand, to not be silenced. The future is hearing them out. The future is potentially just letting them decide what they want done with what belongs to them originally. That can be a version of the future, potentially. Welcome to the Decolonization in Action podcast, a podcast that considers how knowledge, science, medicine, and the arts are being decolonized today. My name is Edna Bonang, and I'm broadcasting from Kasi, France. Today, I'm joined by Barzani Berlin, an anti-colonial group that is bringing together scientists, artists, activists to produce cultural and political interventions in Berlin. I'm also joined by Lucas and Leonga, who will talk a little bit about their initiative, the collective, and why it's important to take an anti-colonial stance with history. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. So part of what is so important about having these discussions, especially if we think about what it means to enact with decolonization in action, is to also think about people's origin stories and what motivates them to do the work that they do. So I wanted to ask the two of you if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and what is the significance of your origin story in being able to take a specific anti-colonial historical and activist stance. Leonga, should I go first? Yeah, I mean, yes, I, yeah, the origin story, like, it's funny. I feel like there's there's so many origins all the time, <laughs> but I feel like the one origin that, actually origin is a good word for the whole problem with the Humboldt Forum and with decolonization itself, because I think that like the question of origin is also one that kind of was brought to me more personally when I once I moved to Europe. Before Europe, in another origin, whatever that was, like in Brazil, I didn't have that so so strongly, or like I had that in another way. But I feel like the origin story maybe like how I started to work more on the colonial practice here is actually the problem of the question of origin itself. That was always a matter of people here trying to figure it out where I came from, and that was putting me in a, in a certain box. And I could see that question already had usually an answer from the person that was asking that <laughs> based on the way I look. So I think I don't have a final answer for an origin because there's so many origins, but maybe the question of origin itself is what brings me to decolonization, I think. Thank you so much, Dr. Ednafan Badinas. Thank you, Lucas, for the beginning conversation there. I think my own original story, <laughs> it's, I really do agree with you because I do still have difficulties placing myself to a certain place, to a certain time, to a certain idea. And in many ways, it seems to see if people always actually place me before I place myself. And that can mean that they have given me or bestowed upon me a certain kind of origin that I do struggle with a lot. I came to this work almost seven months ago in the heat of the COVID crisis because I was looking for a community. I am still a student and I really went through like a really deep depression because I had just moved to this new city and I was trying to find a kind of focus, something that sort of centered me. And I 
couldn't really find it. And then I came upon Barasani Berlin, and that has sort of given me a kind of understanding of how being sort of appreciated and given opportunity to be in a space, to create a space, can help us in some ways answer this question of origin, because I really don't know what that is still. One thing that I wanted to delve into, especially in thinking about what your collective means and its name, Barazani means forum in Kiswali, and it stands for, or at least you have been able to use it as a point for thinking and discussing, especially in the light of what it means for your project specifically to centralize those who have been silenced by colonialism. And in a way, part of what I was getting to with the origins question isn't in the question as it's often talked about, like if you're in Europe, then therefore why are you here? What brings you here? But rather, what does it mean to take a critical lens of history when you might, or when a person might have an identity that is tied to the history of the press or the formerly colonized and the enslaved and how that in itself can create a lens by which to really think deeply with wanting to change the world, especially as it has been offered and inherited to us. So in a way, I guess the follow-up question to that is, what does it mean to have a decolonial lens that is also grounded on a critique of the Humboldt Forum where there are objects that have made it to this site and their objects are being celebrated as part of the German imperial project but at the same time, maybe for those of us who come from places or have heritage that is non-European, our relatives may not be able to travel in the same manner as the objects that have made it to the Humboldt Forum to Berlin. And so I think that's part of what I wanted to complicate about origins and the contradictions that arise. So maybe you could speak about that a little bit, like the origin of the term Barazani and how that fits into the critique and how people's lineage and heritage might also feature into the decolonial practice. I'd like to sort of start by saying we're actually two collectives. There is the Barasani Berlin and there's the Coalition of Cultural Workers. And we have come together to bring this fight to the Humboldt Forum, right? And the Barasani Berlin really is a group of activists, scholars, and people in the arts and cultural space who have come together and through curation of visual exhibitions and cultural actions, we are fighting for the decolonization of the Humboldt Forum. So I think specifically what Barasani does, because it started off as a digital space, a space that is simply sort of online. What we do is sort of we curate activist voices, we invite them to conversations, we want to speak with them, we want to be able to hear from them and give our platform to them so that they can be able to sort of highlight these injustices that have been done to them over centuries, right? And in that vein, we have also seeked out partnerships with another initiative like the Coalition of Cultural Workers, who have been doing this work for much longer than we have to sort of help us and amplify the voices of these activists who've been left behind, who've been marginalized, who have been cancelled, right? That is sort of like where the work actually begins. And Lucas, maybe you can highlight some things here. Yeah, no, it's nice that you say that because also, yeah, let me make it clear. So I started the Coalition of Culture Workers Against the Humboldt Forum. 
And we got together with Barazani, and that's actually how I met Leonga as well. We came from these two different collectives, but actually that were, they had so many things in common and were dealing with similar topics, especially like concentrated focus on the Humboldt Forum. And since then, we started sharing a space called Spreufa, and that's how we are making more actions together and so on. But I think that if I think of how this started for in the, on the side of the coalition of cultural workers, I think there was this clear thing that for us, suddenly like we're a group of artists from Berlin that were like, hey, did you see the, that Humboldt Farm is actually opening soon? I think that, that was something that we didn't really even believe much at the time, which was summer 2020 or yeah, summer 2020. <laughs> and how that, what really like sparked for us this feeling of we have to do something or we have to like really start the conversation again was because it was the moment that they installed the cross on top of the the building and and the dome with the inscription saying that in the name of Jesus that both living and the dead should kneel before Jesus or something I can also find the exact quote but it's basically that and that for us was okay we need to think again or we, we need to get together basically and that's how it, it started to happen and I think that for both the coalition and also now with Barazani what we do is really like always just being together like, and talking about things and not letting the conversation the decolonial conversation how to say slow down because we feel like also with what the Humboldt Farm is trying to do all the time is it's really appropriating this kind of decolonial conversation I, I really do like the quote sign because it's, they call something as like the decolonial conversation that they bring inside their building and under their frame so we really try to keep on discussing and doing actions and writing texts we write songs or whatever it is but in our own terms outside of it and also we we want to remind people of the history of colonialism and the problems of museums in general and to, to remind them that for 30 years, the discourse in museum theory has been centered on liberating ethnological museums from colonial patterns, right? And that the decision to open the Humboldt Forum in the Berlin Schloss completely disregards the 30 years of work. And a museum is a place. It is a place designed to show and put things on display. So that is a problem because ethnological museums want to show and put other cultures on displays. And what is really different about other cultures is determined from the Eurocentric perspective and by white people. And that is generally not, that is not a good thing. And this is why we're doing this work to always highlight those truths, those truths that get lost in language. We want to be able to highlight that. And we do so by bringing other voices and to have them present, to have them be there so that people can actually start seeing that we are not just complaining, but that there will actual voices and lives behind this conversation. Also, just I'm thinking now, bringing back to this idea, uh, to your question about origins, is how like, with a decolonial practice, we can focus so much on that, but not only on the question that is done to us, like you said, but we can think about origins really like as understanding better German history, because even the origin of the idea of Germany is not very clear or well taught in schools here. So I feel like the more we do this work, it's so much about learning more about the history of Germany itself and how it got to a point where it culminated in this Humboldt Forum in the middle of the city. So, Absolutely. And I think one of the things that is so important to unpack is this cultural dimension of what to do with objects and peoples and, and how to have actual funeral rites that attend to people's different cultural backgrounds. Putting something on display, as a matter of fact, isn't necessarily something that everyone wants, especially if the objects that have been collected and circulated and put into a space 
and we'll call it a museum, there wasn't that consent to begin with. And so what ends up happening is the kind of ideological tension between, in one sense, a place that might have the power and the possession at a given moment, aka European museums, of cultural objects, and then a peoples who might be like, well, that's not the original intention. And if anything, sometimes it might be perfectly fine and acceptable for that object to be destroyed, to disintegrate, to not exist in this world. And this idea of preservation isn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to result in being placed in a museum. And it leads me to another question specifically on this role of the museum as various institutions and anti-colonial scholars and figures are trying to deconstruct that. When we think about Paris, the Musée de Croix, and the Bradley Report, which basically urged the repatriation of African objects, and how specifically Benedict Savoy and Belwin Sarr wrote a report to have that repatriation happen. However, you know, the French state did not undertake that full repatriation or even repentance for that matter. And so even when there's that critique and there's this like goodwill to say, oh, we think you should do this, they don't give it up. And so I guess I want to ask, given that you're trying to do this collective work of critique and you have a wide range of people, cultural workers and students and activists involved, to what extent do you think that your collective efforts can have a lasting impact or impression for repatriation of objects? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like there are so many other groups that are doing much more work in that side. For example, we can talk about like Bring Back Gonzo. There are people that are really focused on it. So I think that we talk about decolonization and the future of all of this. There's so many agents and I feel like at least the from the coalition part, we think a lot about how not to participate in this kind of program and not support them and also an idea of defunding this institution. So maybe this is also a way that it, yeah, I don't know, that maybe it helped. Yeah, that's so tricky with the future of the Mood Forum because actually the way that we try to think is already that the institution doesn't have a future, that it's already dead from the beginning. So we hope that just by having always in mind that the Humboldt Forum cannot be thought in this way of like, they're doing something good towards a process that will generate something else, that they shouldn't even exist from the first place. Or at least like that's me personally, but I feel why we do this, that we hope that gives space and time or something else to other groups that are working directly in repatriation efforts. I do agree with with Lucas. And I do feel like maybe the future is really supposed to be about listening to the voices of people from these communities from which these pieces have been taken from, really to listen to the activists in the spaces who are working tirelessly to ensure a safe return of the statutes and the artifacts. I think the future is giving them an opportunity to stand, to not be silenced. The future is hearing them out. The future is potentially just letting them decide what they want done with what belongs to them originally. That can be a version of the future, potentially. Now I'm thinking way before I joined the coalition or I was if I even know what the Humboldt Forum was. I had moved to Berlin and it was 2016. And I was asked, a friend of mine knew someone at Arte and they were working on a, how to say, a piece for Arte. And they were looking for someone that could translate Portuguese to German, just like quick with the people that were editing a video. 
So then I just went there and then I spent time with these people translating from Portuguese. But I didn't know what it was, but when I got there, it was a feature on the Humboldt Forum or the future of the Humboldt Forum. And they brought different people from different indigenous peoples from Brazil or South America in general. But the one that I was translating was from Brazil. And they wanted to know what they were saying, which was already crazy that they just asked a random person like this. I wasn't even prepared to translate that, you know. But then I got there and, and then I translated. And so the ethnographic museum brought people to check the obes, check some of the objects and talk to them what, what they wanted to do or just for them to look at the objects. And it was actually very interesting what they said, or the people that were invited here. They said, hey, we are not, um, I'm not responsible for, or I'm, I'm not the representative of everyone from where I'm coming from. I personally believe that the, these objects shouldn't be given back because we, we make them all the time and for us they are not nothing special. But there are people in, from where I come from that they really want the objects back. But what I want to tell you is that you have, uh, you as like European people have a really big responsibility if you want to keep them, at least to draw attention to the current situation of indigenous peoples in Brazil, and because you have power to stop things that are happening in the Amazon. So it was really, it was really incredible things they were saying. But then, and then I translated, and that was before, I didn't even know what the Humboldt Forum was. It was just recently arrived. And then I, I saw the what they did with the TV thing like some months later and they edited everything and the only part that they kept was when the man said I don't want the objects back you know and for me this moment of wow okay that's how they're doing this so how can you even pretend to start a conversation under their frame if that's the way that they are doing it? So, so I mean, now actually, like when uh, that was actually the right answer maybe for the origin, because this is something that I think a lot once I joined the coalition, because that happened years before, but that was something that I was always thinking about it then. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that one of the complexities of this is that ultimately, if one specifically institutions that have all this power, they have all this wealth, they have all these resources, are suddenly confronted with the uncomfortable feeling that they might have to return anything, that it is might be convenient to edit that opinion out, because in a way, it, it means that you have to really disengage and dismantle the pillars of what makes your society functions perhaps, or the economic and political institutions that have somehow said that everything's great and fine and we've dealt with our past. And it also is a kind of questioning of, you know, European democratic societies to say that they aren't as great as they claim to be, especially when the subaltern speaks. But even the, the act of translating that information or, you know, being able to mediate that translation and the discomfort that could have arisen from that is difficult to witness. I guess one thing I wanted to ask you all as well is to what extent does this collective experience allow space or provide space for your activism to really flourish, if, or even your scholarship, 
So if I think about you know the activism I've done in the past, it's been an opportunity to have dress rehearsals for the kind of society we want. So autonomous collectives that people are living in or anarchist spaces or squats in the sense that there should be something for everyone and share and making decisions that are more collectively oriented. And so I just want to know with Barzani Berlin, how does the activism itself provide room and space for you to flourish? Yeah, that's a great question. So I <laughs> okay, I want to answer this question in a in a really um in a way that sort of makes sense. And to me, so because I actually started organizing with Barasani, I have been able to kind of question myself and ask for more spaces for people like us. And when I mean people like us, I'm talking about students, I'm talking about black students, I'm talking about students of color, queer students, queer students with disability. And this work has kind of led me and many others that I engage with to form, for instance, the Black Student Union at the Humboldt University. And the essence of that work also is still actually tied to this decolonial context because we are actually asking questions of how to decolonize curriculars, how to decolonize university spaces, how can we make safer spaces for people who are faced with racism and marginalization and how can that lead to something better? And so I think personally for me, the agency to be a member of Barthani Berlin on a personal note has sort of made me want to learn more, made me want to be more involved and to be more active and to ask more uncomfortable questions. And these questions are questions that we are now bringing in a more collective in a more serious way to the University uh, of Humboldt to ask them about the ways in which curricula has stayed the same for many years and the ways in which Black students are treated in classrooms and, and university spaces. That is sort of what it has led me to in some ways. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, at least for me, is since being part of the coalition and with Barazani, is just knowing, getting to know so many people that have been doing activism or fighting or studying, like things that are all interconnected when you talk about decolonization. There are some people that are working on the problems of housing in Berlin, or I don't know, so, so, so many kinds. And that's really incredible. You learn a lot or be more close to like decolonize Berlin, or I don't know, so many amazing people that we are getting to know and just really having the time to spend together. And, and that's great, yeah. So one final question, what's one thing that people can do to raise awareness and or embody decolonization in their everyday lives? I would say people should listen more. People should study up more, people should learn more, people should listen to people from marginalized communities. And people should just be more open and willing to engage. I think that's one of the biggest lessons as well that I have learned in this process, that I am in spaces where people ask questions and those questions will get answers simply because people are curious enough. And I think curiosity is definitely necessary in educating ourselves. And so I would sort of say, yeah, we should be more curious and more open and willing to learn and to listen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's also like just creating spaces where education is possible, but education in our own terms. To really like think about how to learn together and create the correct space for this, a safe space for learning things. Thank you so much for joining me today and for taking the time to answer these questions. 
Thank you for having Thank us. It's really nice. great. Thank you. My name is Edna Bonhomme, and you just listened to an episode of the Decolonization and Action podcast. And this episode featured digitally based voices in Berlin, Germany. As always, there's a list of references and a bibliography in the show notes. To learn more about the podcast or to find out more information about the people and events referenced, please visit www.decolonizationinaction.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Deck in Action. And if you like what you hear, please rate, comment, and share our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Thank you for joining us.